word of the day. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. First word unofficially brought to us by UrbanDictionary.com. Doffing. D-O-F-F-I-N-G. Doffing. Taking off clothes, equipment, etc. Doffing. The other word of the day. Teradiddle. T-A-R-A-D-I-D-D-L-E. Teradiddle. A small lie or a fib. I'm sure there's lots of teradiddling going on right now. Eve of the draft. Well, I mean, shoot, there was a report today that Juju was going to get traded for a first-round pick to the Niners. That ended up being a teradiddle. So, no one's safe from the teradiddles in draft season. All right, it's just me tonight. So, strap it on, strap it in, whatever's your MO. I ain't judging. Let's get it on. Welcome to the Cohort Sports Report, Gas Bags with Fun Facts, a podcast by regular Joes for regular Joes, sponsorship free, because nobody wants to pay the sponsorship fee. My name is Jeff Woodworth, and I am joined by absolutely nobody. Oh, let's move this real quick. We're going to move the water over here. So many cords. All right. Uh, Where was I? Yes. My name is Jeff Woodworth. I am driving solo tonight. No big deal. Uh, Flan and I met up. We, we linked up on Sunday, right after the, or about halfway through the Jordan documentaries. And we ended up just getting so distracted with that, that and, and just getting lost in it. And we ended up rewatching episode one, one together. That uh, looking back at it, you know, the, the time just got away. We were just totally um, in, in caps by it. So that, that's the reason that there was no episode on Sunday. The intention was there. We just got distracted by this documentary. So. Uh, have no fear, though. We'll be talking about that. The draft, uh, New England's changes. I say that with a smile. <laughs> it's over. And then we have some other stuff here. Uh, Barstool, Big Cat doing some big stuff on the internet. But first, we have the Alpha, Beta, Zeta. Since there's no flan, I'll take it. Alpha, naps. A, took a great nap today and took a great nap on Monday. There is nothing like a great nap, okay? So I don't care if you're napping for 40 minutes or for four hours. Some people would argue that's not a nap. That's more of a sleep. Wrong. It depends on what time of day it is. There's nothing like waking up rejuvenated from a nap. And people that don't like naps, I don't get it because I feel like you might be napping the wrong way, okay? Is that fair? I think I, sometimes I nap too hard because I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I just want to lay down for 40, you know, 45 minutes, and then I wake up, and it turns out I've been asleep for two hours. Now, I'm not mad because I had a great nap, upset that I lost that hour and a half. Meh, okay, whatever. But I got a great two hours of sleep, so I'll take it. Love me some naps. Had a great nap today. Beta, uh, the podcasting computer. The specific laptop that I use to record this on is a MacBook that is about almost 10 years old. I am still actively trying to download Adobe Audition onto it every day uh, now that I'm paying for that. 
uh, with with various software updates, and the thing can't survive for longer than like 50 minutes off the charger. That's being real nice. And for a while here, the char- it was super beta because the charger was only getting it up to 96%, and then it would cap out. But I'm as I'm actively recording right now, I can happily report that the computer is sitting at 100%. But if I unplug that charger right now, there's no promise that it'll even make it through the rest of this podcast recording because of how much stuff is running on it, that it's just going to go boom, 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 you know, done. It's gone. Actually, I don't think Macs make that noise, but you get what I'm saying. It's an old-ass computer. We're going to roll the dice. Now, the other computer that I just got more for work stuff and all that, like we could probably try and mess around with it on there. I don't want to just because it's so new that I don't want to start messing around with it. But push come to shove may have to go that way. So who knows? But all I know is that very beta right now that the old faithful computer is still trucking. But, you know, I've taken it to computer repair places to get it just update, you know, maintained and whatnot. The the Wi-Fi hard drive gave out on it, so now I have this little USB dock that goes into it, so that way it can it can connect to Wi-Fi. The computer has been has seen it's been around the block, okay. And I appreciate the computer, but at the same time, it's like I need you to still I need you to still kick strong, all right, just for a little while longer. I don't know how much longer we're gonna be doing doing this podcast, but because. Not that there's an end date in sight, honestly, but I just it, it really depends on the functionality of this computer. So, and it'll it'll force my my hand to change and adapt. I mean, not that we can't do that, but at the same time, I don't really want to right now, given the circumstance. It's just very convenient that I have this computer that we've been able to do this on. And I mean, really, I'm playing with borrowed time with the stretch that we've had on it. So, still beta. That's what I'm. That's the bottom line. Is it still beta? All right, Zeta. Weird protesters. I see a lot of people protesting that we open up the states, okay? And again, don't like to get too political on this show, but I look at it like the people that insist on going to church. Man, if it weren't for the fact that you're going to put other people at risk, I would totally say go for it. So that way, when you catch the virus and you get sick, and if you eventually die, I'm going to sound cold and heartless. I don't care. You were asking for it. So the people that I saw a report of the guy down in Louisiana that insisted on having his church open, that, that pastor, whatever the minister, whatever branch of faith that they're preaching through, one of his parishioners ended up dying. And it said, hey, if you want to pray to God so bad, you're going to go meet him faster if you go and meet with these people because biology don't play. All right. Like that's the one thing we know for a fact. It, biology ain't messing around. It's ta- this virus is taking people. So these people want to open up the, the economy and start working again. Unfortunately, it would jeopardize uh, the larger group of population, or the larger group of the population that is behaving themselves. But at the same time, man, wouldn't it just be poetic justice to just have those people open up the economy again to make them happy? And then when they got sick, that's where we could kind of look at them and just be like, "Well, you idiot, you know, this is." And that would be that'd be putting it nicely. So it's a it's a little. That's why I put it as Zeta. It's weird because you don't want to jeopardize everybody, but you so want to see karma just come right back around with a swift kick to the ass. And, I mean, quite frankly, those people would have to have a sense of humor about it, too. Because if you're going to be the idiots that's out there protesting, talking about how this is, like, communist and whatnot, um, I, I would so I would be I would be in the corner of cheering for the virus to get you. I'm not I'm I'm 100 percent right. We're not supposed to cheer injuries. We're not supposed to do that. But at that point, like you're just asking for it. Like we we it's a waiting game. We've been told by the smartest people in in the health industry in the health world to to what we're supposed to do how we're supposed to be following orders and we're almost there we've been doing the numbers are backing up that what we're doing is working and we just have to tough it out for a little bit longer 
and every generation has a test that, that you know, or everybody has multiple tests that they're going to face over their lifetimes. This is going to be one that humankind is, uh, we're obviously taking together on the chin across the globe, but just take a look at the trend. As long as you do what's supposed to be done, it, you can, you can slowly start to resume. You want to hit fast forward on that. And when it comes back around, come on, come on now. So that's what's, that's what's so Zeta about that. So weird. So that's the alpha beta Zeta naps, procrastination or pod, <laughs> procrastination podcast, uh, Podcast computers and protesters. Maybe procrastination too, because now we're going to get to the meaty stuff. It's time for Tim Brown's stat of the day. I just want to clarify real quick that I'm not casting ill will upon anybody, but I can't protect you from your stupidity. So if you're going to go out and do something dumb and know that there's going to be repercussions and you're going to do it anyway... I'm going to be laughing at the repercussions, and if your reaction to those repercussions is one of, why is this happening to me, it's going to make the punchline even funnier. That's what I was getting at. I'm for the population surviving and us getting over this virus, clearly. But if you want to subject yourself and risk yourself to it, by all means, unfortunately, you're going to do it at the the rate of risking everybody else. And at that point, if something bad happens to you, you ain't catching no sympathy from me. With that being said, the stat of the day. The color distribution in the average package of Reese's Pieces, what a transition, is roughly 50% orange, 25% yellow, and 25% brown. Huh. Reese's Pieces. How about this one? Bonus snack fact. Cheez-Its aren't perfectly square. What? Technically, they're 1 inch by 0.94 inches. So maybe you're eating some Cheez-Its right now. Just hold that that little thing up right there. You think it's a perfect square. It's not. It is not. And I guess that matters. There are winners. I'm by winning. Winner, winner. Ultimate winner. Wow, winning. And there are losers. Loser, 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 loser. Winner, first up. Man, how cool was that Jordan documentary, huh? And that was the, the, the thing about it is, is the first two episodes are going to be the most boring of the entire series. That's what everybody's been saying. Why? Because ESPN did this thing with Netflix, and Netflix said, hey, All of America knows who Michael Jordan and the Bulls are, but you need to introduce his backstory to the rest of the world. So that's why we had this kind of slow-paced-out episode one of of talking about Jordan. But just wild takeaways from the first two episodes, right? Like, this is—and even though these have been the the two most boring, just the little bits of insight that we've gotten so far have been great. Like, I'm not going to say that this is the greatest sports documentary ever made, but this is—it's definitely set the table for how interesting it is, at least for me on this level. Jordan and the Bulls won their first three string of championships when I was, I believe, two to five years old. One, maybe one to four. I think, what did they do, 94? Or did it go 92? It actually might have gone 92 to whatever it was. I was just born at the time, right? So this the second half, the latter half of the stretch, the 96 to 98 or 99 uh, stretch, is, is what I vaguely remember. So, and, and it's the, it's all the MJ highlights that I've grown up with and I've known who he is, but I mean, you know, my basketball memories of Jordan of when I can like fully remember actual games or of his time on the wizards when, you know, he was just a shell of himself. And by that point in his career, he's only averaging 20 points a game. But I mean, you know, cause that's when you had the, the dope ass warriors with uh, Gilbert arenas, Jason Richardson, Antoine Jameson, Troy Murphy, those guys, Mike Dunleavy, those guys were fun to watch too back in the day. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the bulls. Jordan, we knew Jordan's upbringing. That was crazy about how he 
got cut in high school and just proceeded to dominate. And the thing that's so funny about Jordan is the way that they pitch it is that he got cut from his high school team. Yeah, as a sophomore, he didn't make varsity as a sophomore, which is always something that I've just like, it's a minor detail that we that we lay out there, right? Like, not many kids are supposed to play varsity as a freshman or sophomore, right? It, I mean, it's obviously traditionally safe for juniors and seniors. So the fact that he got so pissed off and so motivated to come back his senior year, I mean, his junior year, and he's dominating, that's crazy. I mean, that lets you know the, the level of greatness that he had. But they said that the, the documentary, uh, the, the director of the documentary, who, you know, if you listen to the after show on, on ESPN with uh, Jalen and Jacoby, he went on to say, you know, I would have loved to talk about Jordan's evolution in high school, you know, for about 20 more minutes because the numbers that he was putting up were insane. So if you go back and look at Jordan's high school numbers, the jump that he made from junior to senior year is ridiculous, which really makes you wonder what he could have done sophomore year if he had just barely missed it, you know. And then what's interesting is the Bulls when Jordan first joined them, right? The traveling cocaine circus. That's what everybody was talking about, how Jordan walked in and into that hotel room and he saw there was coke in one side of the room, there was girls on the other side, there was some weed there, there was some liquor. So he just said at that point, I knew that I wanted something better. Okay, I think that MJ lasted for about, what, three years? Three years, and then he really started to turn it on, and then and then he became the Jordan that we all that the the stories are that we're gonna hear later about the thirty six rounds of golf, the the champ, the the boozing, and the poker games. Um, that I mean, obviously that 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 evolved at some point of his career. So I just like how he he pitched that. Another thing that's been fun about this documentary is watching when they cut to Jordan because they got they interviewed him for eight hours over the span of three days. Watch that drink. Watch that drink. You're going to watch the sea changes right there. There's going to be different levels. I don't know. I'm not saying it's getting watered down or not with the tequila, but there was a point in episode one where he slapped his knee, and it was Jordan's lit. Jordan was enjoying himself some liquor because otherwise he's pretty reserved when he's giving his answers and he's talking about stuff. I mean, you can see the glint in his eye uh, aside from the, the red, <laughs> the, the perma-red from just burning the candle at both ends. But you could just see the, the, the twinkle in his eye when he talks about certain things. But when he slapped his knee, he is definitely a little lubricated there. Senor Jordan. So, but I, you know, Jerry Krause, who knew? I didn't realize that he was the character for Swackhammer or probably the inspiration for Swackhammer and Space Jam. It all makes sense now. Who are you to go to tell somebody that's just won five championships? Oh, I don't care if you go 82 games and oh, or if you go undefeated throughout the entire season, we're blowing this up. The ego. And then the interview cuts that they have of him. You know, it's unfortunate that we're speaking on a dead man like this because, yeah, Jerry doesn't have a chance to, to defend himself. He died a couple years ago. Uh, really, when they started to film this documentary, or you know the 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 people to speak on the documentary, so it's unfortunate he's not gonna be able to defend himself. But I mean, the truth is in the or the proof is in the pudding, right? The truth is on tape. Like we can hear what he's saying when he defends himself so vehemently about that quote. No, I said it doesn't. They don't win it uh, by themselves or alone. You know, players and coaches don't win championships alone. Organizations do. Big dog. They are two very very important ingredients in the the form you know the 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 formula here to make a championship it's it's very important you don't want to skip out on the players and coaches all right i don't give i don't care how good your front office is you know you put the players and coaches there to to actually go out there and execute so to to hear that he was just so upfront and out about it and just so outlandishly like yep nope this is it and the fact that people in chicago weren't weren't fighting back a little bit more they're just like yeah well jordan said he's going to play wherever phil goes you know he only wants to play for phil like you you going to tell me that you're on the verge of a six championship and you aren't looking at that like, wait, 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 we can squeeze this. We can milk this for two more. We could probably get at least two more out of this. Why are we doing this? Because that means that, that the Bulls would have been going up against the Lakers in the finals, right? That was This is right before the rise of, of AI 
you know, the Pacers are right there. So at least looking at the East, like they could have easily still hung around for at least another two, three years. So the fact, the fact that they were just like, oh yeah, we're just so outwardly like we're blowing this up. That's got to give hope to everybody in the league at that time in the East saying, whoop, it's done. Like it's over after this year. Like we've survived it. We, we're done getting thumped like a drum. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it confused me thoroughly. And then the other things that stood out from part two of the documentary with, or, or yeah, part two with Scotty was a, Scotty Pippen, we're all going to act like Scotty was was really screwed with that contract. Now, Scotty at the time, they did a, I thought they did a good job of showing that Scotty grew up poor. He had what, 11 brothers and sisters and plus his family was trying to take over. He grew up with two people in wheelchairs in his house. So when he takes 7 years for 18 million dollars, he's doing that to look after his family, right? So then the Bulls not renegotiating, kind of shysty, but if that's the organization's motto, Reinsdorf's sitting there. I think Reinsdorf's going to come to be a little bit more of a villain. I think he's just kind of being portrayed as a smug little giggling old guy on the side who's like, I told him not to sign the contract. He signed the contract anyway. So, And then, of course, his ex-wife tweeting out later that he did just fine. That's cool. Thank thank you, Larsa. I mean, that, that relationship didn't end uh, <coughs> nicely. But... So he in the, in the foot surgery too. The episode two being all about Scotty. Excuse me. The, the money thing. He gets his just desserts later, so we can't get mad at Scott. We can't really be too upset for Scotty. But at the time, you know, you you made the decision to look after your family, then to kind of screw everybody over and wait until the start of the season to get your foot surgery. Ooh, that was awesome. That's a giant f you. But how dare Michael Jordan call Scotty Pippen selfish when you look at the salaries that were on the roster that year? Jordan making thirty three million dollars a year, and Scotty Pippen was only like at two point seven or something like that. Like Michael, hello, you know. And what the what the Bulls did wrong is they should have asked Michael to take maybe ten million dollars less a year. Then they would have given that money to Scotty and the necessary pieces to hang around for a couple more years, and then just given Michael Jordan equity in the team, just giving him a piece, just hey, here you go, here's ten percent ownership or fifteen percent ownership, you know, however you want to chop that up. I ain't no businessman, obviously, um, not yet at least. We'll see. Maybe we've ventured down that that rate a little bit later, but at least as far as this goes, you need to do whatever you can to keep that team together. And the fact that they were just so willing to blow it up blows my mind. I on I can't. I can't believe it, but those were the those were the couple things that stood out to me was a how they had to be detailed with with Jordan's background because of everybody else you know who's going to be tuning into this. It's not just America. We got to take a step back from the American you know myopic scope there, but and then Phil Jackson. I liked how Phil Jackson was uh, portrayed too. He's coming off as super super zen. I can only imagine he he came off very mature in that react in that interaction with with Kraus, but. And you've also got uh, Pippin, Pippin's finances, and and then Pippin, you know, basically going to be out for the season. So, uh, part three is apparently heavily about Dennis Rodman. Interested to see where part four goes. As I've been listening to more and more, pe- you know, the the wrap up shows and, and recaps about it, people have gotten sneak peeks. They say it really picks up around part five. So, I mean, we're just gonna, it's gonna be a good good documentary. And you know, the problem is, is that Netflix sometimes, sometimes the Netflix documentaries, they like to extend them out one episode too long. And so here's hoping that that one episode too long was maybe episode one, which is kind of how, how it kind of bounced a little bit everywhere, and they, they kind of had to cover everything. Oh, almost forgot. How, how, much, how much of a force would have Larry Jordan been, huh? Because it sounds like that's a – Michael, every time he beat him, he's just got to fight his brother. If you're the type of dude who every time you lose, you just fight, 
You know how tough you have to be? You know how Jordan, how tough Michael Jordan had to be? There was no stopping this guy. And, if he, and he even said there's no Michael Jordan. Well, no Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen. But apparently there ain't even no Mike Jordan without Larry Jordan. So shout out to Larry Jordan for whooping his ass, apparently. And then also what I like, too, also getting, getting thrown out here. The last thing I have on this Bulls documentary is just reminding me. Bomani Jones pointed this out. Uh, he's pointed it out in the past. He pointed it out again. And it's something that I've, I've looked into a little bit more. Guys that grow in college, stop being so shocked that guys grow five and six inches in college if you're not paying attention to the background of which they are coming from. I'm talking specifically about Scottie Pippen, about Dennis Rodman. Guys that grow five and six inches over the course of college, right? Like Mike, they said, grew maybe like three, four inches. But Scottie growing six inches, make no mistake, that is the, that is the three square meals a day effect. All right, they finally got you on a diet, on a on a re- on a food regimen of where you're going to be eating healthy food. You have plant, you have access to it, and it's there on the regular, right? So that three right there, plus the, the obviously the three meals that you're eating, very important. So that's why Scottie Pippen grew is because you go from a very impoverished area with a family where you're probably competing for how much food you're going to be eating on a day to day basis with eleven brothers and sisters, plus you know every, your, your mom and dad, and and now you go to a place where. Yeah, Central Arkansas. It's not the maybe it's not the greatest, but for him, that's a that's a terrific upgrade. And look what it did for him, you know. And he and he balled out there too. So, it just it's it's funny to me when people are like, "Oh yeah, they grew." It's like take a look at the deeper socioeconomic issue there. These people are coming from places where they are rather not like a lot of times impoverished, right? Look at Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp talked about how much how much muscle he put on in college. He went from three, he started the three square meal a day effect. So just something to keep in mind when, when you hear that for the future. Uh, you can you can just look it up. When they talk about growth spurts that guys have, if it, if it happens from high school to college, there's a good chance the meal program changed up. Switching gears, uh, it is the eve of the NFL draft, or depending on when you're listening to this, uh, well, it's the eve of the NFL draft as I'm recording this. You could be listening to this ahead of the draft. You could be listening to this the day after the draft. So who got, God only knows. Anyway, it's draft season, and it's some semblance of normalcy that we have, and I think everybody's looking forward to it. I am honestly, the things that I'm looking most forward to with the draft are the technical issues. I think we're all just waiting on it. We all have a general idea of which maybe general managers we think are going to be more than likely to mess up. Maybe not even general managers, just certain guys, right? Like I think John Gruden is probably a clubhouse leader for guy who's going to mess something up, you know, or Dave Gettleman, the Giants GM. I think he's a clubhouse leader for somebody who's going to mess something up. I think there, it, there's just a lot of room for error here and as someone who loves you know as an agent of chaos I am looking forward to it I think it's going to be it's going to make it interesting the the league has already come on said that they're gonna that they're gonna be able to stop it and let guys figure it out if if there are technical issues so the entire thing is going to be a giant bleep show for lack of a better term and I think it's going to make for terrific television and regardless of as long as it airs you know, there's going to be tons of hitches. We're going to deem it a success. Why? Because it happened, and it's sports. And there'll be winners and losers after. It'll be something we could talk about. And all the other extra stuff on the on the side is going to be the sideshow side stuff that's going to make it even more in, enjoyable. But just the fact that we're going to see some sports news happening, it's a win regardless. So good for the draft. Mateo was so kind. He, uh, he said, hey, 
I want to come on after the draft on Sunday, but I have a mock draft here for Wednesday. So I said, send it over. Mateo, much like everybody else, has Joe Burrow going number one to the Bengals, number two, Chase Young going to the Washington racial slurs, and then number three, he said originally it was the Lions pick, but the Dolphins would trade and get Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. That's interesting. I still think that the Dolphins are going to go two up. But again, this is all just a giant crapshoot. Still fun fodder, but just a giant crapshoot. Number four, the Giants taking Andrew Thomas, Thomas, the tackle out of Georgia. Number five uh, would be the Lions with that trade with the Dolphins uh, taking Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio State, the cornerback. Number six, the Chargers getting Tua. He falls to number six. Interesting. The Panthers taking Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, the linebacker. The Cardinals adding to the offensive line. This is important. I think the Cardinals need to do this. You have the weapons around around Kyler Murray. Now you need to protect him. They're going to draft a ta- uh, tackle, Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. And number nine, originally Jacksonville's pick. He has another trade. The Falcons trading up to draft C.J. Henderson, my boy from Florida. Uh, quarterback out of there. Number 10, the uh, Browns' original pick, the Broncos trading up to draft Jerry Judy and giving, uh, what's the kid out there? Drew Locke, the kid from Missouri, giving him uh, another weapon to throw at. He, uh, he did include a Niners and Steelers pick just for, you know, shits and giggles. Uh, 49ers selecting Derek Brown at number 13, the defensive linebacker, I mean, defensive linebacker, defensive lineman out of Auburn, uh, he said he slides due to poor measurables. 49ers land the space eating defensive tackle they're desperate for. He says, LOL at me watching clips of first-round wide receivers all offseason. He was very, very high up on the wide receivers thinking that Jimmy G was going to get some weapons. Who knows? Niners at 13. I have heard people say that the Niners might trade out of the first. I believe they have two first-round picks. They might trade out of the first round to try and get some second- and third-round capital. So I think that's really the only interesting things that really come about the draft is positioning yourself for more picks, right? Because God knows who's going to be there to fall for you and who you can select. It's just a matter of having the picks. So I want to be someone like Miami or New England this year who has upwards, I think they have double-digit picks. That's a lot that you can play around with. If you're going in the draft, you're telling yourself, I just want to be able to make sure that we can come away with this with six new guys. You have four extra guys, four extra picks to play around with, move up and uh, up and down and strategize with. I mean, good on you. At 49, he's got the Steelers taking J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State. Says James Conner's on the last year of his deal. Big play, big play back who the Steelers will get more out of in the passing game. James Conner's a pretty good pass receiving back, but the backfield, uh, you've got James Conner, you got Benny Snell, who I really like Benny Snell. I think Benny Snell had a break, or not a breakout year, but he had he had an emerging year of where it's promising. It's exci- I'm excited for what he's going to do this upcoming year, put it that way. And then the third back, uh, I believe, Samuels, in kind of like a bowling ball. Jalen Samuels, kind of a bowling ball-esque uh, goal line back. So, I mean, I'd be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe they practice squad one of the guys, and maybe James Conner is on. Maybe he's on, on his way out, or maybe he's playing for his job this year. Who knows? Uh, interesting to see there. But, yeah, the, the draft, it's who knows? Who knows, right? But I'm just pumped that it's happening. I'm actually pumped that it's happening. Like, I usually couldn't care less. I'm not one for mock drafts. It's all, like I said, total, complete uh, fodder. Who knows what's going to actually happen. But just the extra added elements this year, I am actually going to be watching. the. Like, I, it's, not, it's one of those things where I usually have it on in the background. I'll watch the first couple picks. We've done a podcast to it before in the past. But everything after the 10th pick, I usually lose interest. This is going to be one of those things where I'm, I'm going to be – 
I won't be intently watching the broadcast the entire time, but it will be on, and I will be looking at it constantly to, to see what happens. So in that sense, NFL is winning. All right, New England fans. Ooh, you salty, huh? You salty, salty, salty. And it is just your tears are giving me extra life. I am so happy. You guys are so upset, so salty, don't know how to handle yourselves. Your quarterback has taken off, says it's no longer fun to play in New England. I want to go somewhere I'm, I'm appreciated by the coaching staff. And then the tight end, your former tight end says, oh, yeah, really, I just didn't like playing there either. So now I want to come out of retirement. I want to go play with Tom, gets traded to Tampa Bay. This is terrific. If you're Julian Edelman, how much are you hate in life right now? Like, man, like, I'm stuck here. Like, yeah, you got Belichick, but your boys look like they're about to have some fun down in Florida and let them win a couple games and see how, Ju- and, and, and let the Patriots lose a couple games and see if Julian Edelman starts un- unraveling at the seams. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, also, I wouldn't rule out if Edelman gets traded. It wouldn't surprise me if Edelman gets traded. I have no insight there or, you know, expertise. But if Edelman was, in fact, to get traded, I would look at that and just be like, ain't no shock to me. I ain't surprised. Especially, you know, I don't know what it's going to take. But then you look down at Tampa Bay now, and Tampa's got three tight ends. You got Gronk, uh, Cameron Brait, and O.J. Howard. Who are they I think Cameron Brait they're going to hold on to, and it sounds like they might be trying to shop O.J. Howard around. There's not a whole lot of tight ends in the draft, so they might be able to get something there. Hold your horses, though, if you think that Tampa all of a sudden now is going to be. They jumped from having the sixth best Super Bowl odds to the fourth best, just like that, just from signing Gronk. This is not the same Rob Gronkowski. He has slimmed down. He, I don't even. He's going to be built more like a giant wide receiver than he would a tight end, right? And more like a small forward than he is a, a power forward, and. They have no offensive line. Go take a look at the stats on Tampa Bay's offensive line. All right, it's all well and fun to, or all well and good to pick on Jameis because he was blind and he was just hoisting throws up there. But he was under pressure a lot. And Tom Brady likes a clean pocket. He likes a safe pocket where he's got time to pick apart the defense. Right. So that's not happening with this current current construct. So that'll be something that the Bucks need to address in the draft. Don't be surprised if they take at least one tackle, one guard. They need to revamp that offensive line. If, if you're if you're Tampa Bay but going back to the Patriots fans uh, the Funhouse account back after this tweeted out a day ago saying let's see how the folks in Boston are dealing with the news that Gronk has been traded to the Buccaneers this is my new favorite song hi guys hey this looks like a public relations nightmare for the Patriots I would tell him to screw I would let him sit in retirement hell I would Take the fourth round pick and stick it. Don't let them play. Jay and Everett, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, hey guys, thanks for taking the call. Thank God this tool bag is heading south, I'll tell you. It's a long time coming. He's been holding the fancy hostage for two years. I've been waiting for breaking news to come on your show for two years that they, they hired Denzel Washington to come in and negotiate the fandom that he was holding hostage. See you later, bye. At this point, a bag of doorknobs and a ham sandwich would have been satisfied enough for me. Okay, so it feels like Patriots fans are done with Rob Gronkowski pretty quick. That didn't take long. Your boss wasn't nice to you. Oh, you're the mean boss. Aw. All those championships. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 Not, not, not that interested in that. I'm much more interested in win, lose, we booze. My new coach wears funny hats and drinks after games, whether they win or lose. We, yo soy fiesta. I get to go take my shirt off, rub my nipples. 
Like Jesus. In the offseason, he had me going, though. I felt for him a little bit. For the game of football, really bringing you down, huh? Oh, it's just you had a mean coach. Do you think Edelman is yes. Mexico, the Buccaneers? <laughs> I think Edelman right now is sitting there going, uh, Tommy, Tommy, come get me, Tommy. I don't want to stand and play for this mean coach. I don't like a, the winning. He's just a no. He's too mean to me. I want to join you guys and do nipple shots off of Gronkowski's torso. That's a, You know Edelman's pissed right now. Go ahead, Murray. Well, Tom doesn't drink during the season, remember, uh, but this is this is courtesy of, I want to make sure I get the, the radio show correct, Felger and Maz, 98.5, the sports hub in Boston. What is this, Boston? Oh, yeah, it's clearly Boston. And my phone's just acting up right now. Fantastic. So, uh, very salty out there in, in Boston. Hilarious, though. I love it. You guys, you guys deserve it, right? You, you stood by these guys so long, and the minute they leave, boom, you want nothing to do with them, huh? I, I wonder what they. I, it honestly makes me wonder what they were saying about Gronk when he was when he was out, when he was doing the thing with the WWE, and now they're also saying that Gronk might have to defend his uh, his twenty four seven title during a game, which I think is a complete joke. But I could also see that being something in the at the start, you know, the beginning beginning of a game that seemed to be like a little bit more tolerant of that. Yeah, the Sports Hub, NBC Sports Boston. There we go. Finally got it back. Um, but I think that'd be something that they would do in Tampa. It seems like they'd be a little bit more lax. Those guys are vets, and I feel like if Arians thought that it'd be something to loosen up clubhouse tensions or get the guys relaxed on game day, he would invite something like that in and just be like, ah, make it two minutes real quick and then get the hell out. Don't touch the rest of the guys. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if something extreme happens like that. Hey, Orlando, not too far away from Tampa in, in, uh, in Florida. I believe, or, uh, believe Tampa is closer to Orlando than Miami is. I mean, Miami is real, real south. But that's neither here nor there. So good on good on the uh, the Bucks for making the moves. And I am just laughing at Patriots fans. It's it's amazing. I just they're going to be so irate and so. And then that that accent, that ugly ass accent, just makes it so much better too. Just oh man, a bag of doorknobs. Yeah, get out of here. I'm happy. I'm happy that you're upset. You deserve it. You deserve it. Honestly, nobody deserves it more than Boston fans right now. Lastly, we'll get to this. Barstool. Big Cat's been dominating the internet lately. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to this. Everything the dude touches turns to gold. His his horse derby, the Cat Cave horse racing derby, derby, huge success. These four little plastic horses going around. What is it, an electromagnetic uh, horse racing thing that doesn't even work half the time? And he gets upwards of like 15, 20,000 people to tune in to watch this thing. They get people as they started making merch for it. He's got other people on social media collabing with him. It's just it's very smart the way that he's able to to maneuver that. They're interesting. Uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that I don't watch him. I usually watch the re-airs though because he puts them on Twitter at 4:30 our time. See them being back in New York just jacks everything up when they go to do it. And then he's also been doing this thing on NCAA Football 14 on Twitch, which has to be driving regular Twitch streamers crazy. Because you got this guy who logs on and he's whispering in his living room because his newborn child is asleep, or, you know, his, whatever, his infant child is asleep in the, in the room next door. He's got his dog next to him. He's playing a six-year-old video game for 30 to 40 minutes at a time. And he is doing numbers that are five and six times what regular Twitch streamers could dream of. And I'm not saying that he's got millions of people tuning in. He's only got about 30, 40,000 people watching him. 
but to watch him to to watch this guy tune in and play video games for half an hour just to troll him and have him just whisper into his headset this is for you haters this is for you this is for the haters you know and 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 have the guys jar uh, have the comment section jar back and forth with him and he's paying attention to it while he plays he'll do everything once in a while where he, he just shuts his eyes and does a blind play like you know it's going to sound like I'm tip riding him but it's just a very interesting concept that he's got going on right now with NCAA football and he created this fake coaching persona, Coach Gus Duggerton, Coach Duggs. And he started out as an offensive coordinator at Ohio, played that season, did not broadcast it, had enough people chirp him to say, hey, start putting it on Twitch. So he goes to Florida State as the offensive coordinator there, does the whole Jameis thing, has that, has that stream, and has now made the switch to USC. What's made this stuff even crazier is the internet participation that he's getting on this. If we thought the Cat Cave Derby was something else... He has a fake profile. Some some poor guy, I don't even know the dude's name, is some fat SOB looks just like the uh, the avatar that he made of Gus Duggerton in NCAA football. Had the Florida State gear and everything was a Florida State fan. I, obviously he must be out in Tallahassee and has now said made the switch to getting some uh, SC gear. I think SC's even sent uh sent Big Cat some some stuff too to wear but it's just, it's funny how, I mean, with no real sports going on for the foreseeable future, this is really what we're diving into here, is this man crea- just created an, his own fictional sports universe, which we've all done. Anytime you do a franchise mode on a game, you know, my my player that I'm doing in 2K right now, like the Pelicans are, were a four seed, right? No reason that the Pelicans should be there, but whatever. And I also know that I'm not popular enough to start a, sp- a, a Twitch stream to, to broadcast that. I don't even know how to do it. So that's what's so interesting is I've tuned into a couple of these broadcasts, and it's just fascinating. You know, I'm sure it's just some, some, something simple as, like, screen mirroring or, or whatnot, but it, beyond me. Anyway, it's truly fascinating. And I don't know if this, has, if this is a result directly of Big Cat, but pay attention for fake recruits, right? We all know, we all know JUCO. And D3 Twitter, where it's just like, oh, like God does everything for a purpose. You know, like I'm on a mission, like I'm going to get this done, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Right. Like, okay, that's great. What's funny is people have started to do that now with the road to glory in NCAA, where you can make a player and just have them be at your high school position. There are guys that are wide receivers, freshmen, they're like three star athletes, and they're tweeting out schools saying, hey, thanks. I just got an offer from Louisville. Like, I just got an offer from Alabama. I just got an offer from, you know, insert school here. Well, I don't have the tweet on me. I should have done a better job because I'm literally just remembering this as I talk about it. But there was a coach that fell for one of them that tweeted one of the accounts and said, I have my list. You're nowhere on it. Please take this down. You are like we did not offer you this. You're lying. And the coach just did not put two and two together that the, the, the AVI on this profile was even a screenshot of the NCAA football game. So... I mean, not that I expect him to know, but I'd expect him to at least see that, have a question raised, and maybe go ask somebody. Maybe go ask, you know, a kid, or just ask the internet, you know, maybe some some other portion of the internet where you won't get openly mocked on Twitter. Probably wouldn't have been safe to question him openly on Twitter. But, you know, it, it, to get trolled like that so hard, that's amazing. So I need to find that tweet, and I'll, I'll try and remember to reference it again on, on Sunday. But yes, the, the fake... JUCO athlete or high school athlete JUCO D3 Twitter emerging is amazing because they do such a good job of of nailing that that spot on with the with the impersonation so 
I again, I don't know if that's if that's directly related to Big Cat, but I just every time I log on to Twitter or every week that goes by and when I log on to Twitter, it seems like we're peeling back another layer of this onion of his virtual NCAA universe and it's just spreading ever, ever more, just ongoing with, with each day. It's insane. But all right, that'll do it. That'll wrap up the podcast. I'm tired of talking, and that was really all I all I had on that's that's gone around here. Uh, let's enjoy the draft. Let's cheer for anarchy, right? The one time where we can just openly cheer for just chaos, and it'll be totally okay because again, they have the overriding power to to stop and halt everything and fix it if they need to. It's just going to be a little embarrassing, and the talking heads on TV are going to have to do a better job of uh, filibustering bustering while that happens. Uh, also, fun fact, joint broadcast between the NFL Network and ESPN, so that'll be Fox and ESPN talents working together in cohesion. It can be done. Let's go. We just have all these different networks for income, revenue, and and uh, and, and perspective and point of view. I'm, I'm not talking trash because, you know, I'd love to work for any of them, but... Uh, it's it's just funny how you know in a time like this. Hey, if all the if all the sports if all the talking heads on the sports channels where you know they like to subliminally slander each other can come together for the purpose of the draft, we can come together for the purpose of the coronavirus, right? Okay, there you go. That's the uplifting message of the day. Anyway, uh, check out a new episode of the Quad Pod. It's going to be coming out on Friday. No idea what's going to be on that yet. We're having the production meeting on that tomorrow, or if you're listening to this today, today, and. On Sunday, Mateo wants to stop by for his uh, his post-draft reaction, so I'll be looking forward to that. All right, that'll do it for me. To the haters and losers, of which there are many. Until next time. Trying to reach you for the longest, let's smoke clear, but you know my tree be the strongest, my branches got banks, I'ma be here the longest, I dare you, little bitch, can I be on no bar shit, young nigga shit, I'ma get ridiculed for dumb shit, don't rain in California, but my niggas ready to dump shit, I don't like no fake big, but you back on like school lunches, I eat beats, you eat ass nigga like num num, that scrumptious, don't like no fake niggas, wanna collab for the clout, but I know you niggas already know what I'm about, but I've been bossing since a jitty, and we litty at the house, niggas claim it away, but use waste for they rouse, nigga, feel the earth. Oh, 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 oh,